Coming up this hour, I want to talk a little bit about Carrie Lake in Arizona. Mm. She's running for governor. She has been presented as an uh, you know, election truther, uh, someone who is erratic and uh, cannot be the governor of the state, Pat. Cannot. Mm. Absolutely not. <laughs> not acceptable. Not acceptable to the media. We're going to go into, I want to I highlight one of her answers to a, a tough question by someone in the media. It might just be the model for how you answer this question it's oh nice we rarely do we have these moments where we are actually happy with the way republican candidates communicate oh, that's for sure so let's highlight one <laughs> all right this is coming up here in just a second triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number if you want to call in and uh, maybe take some of your calls this hour it's pat and Stu in for glenn on the glenn Beck program Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, how Carrie Lake handles a difficult question. Carrie Lake is uh, running for governor of Arizona. She's a former TV news anchor, and she stepped down from being a TV news anchor so she could run for office. And uh, she she seems to know what she's talking about. Uh, we'll get into that in one minute. It's important to realize that change for the better starts with you. What are you doing to help make this country a better place? What are you doing to fight against the tyranny of the left? You can fight it in big ways. You can fight it in small ways. Uh, you can even do something with your cell phone service. If you want to get involved in the movement, switch over to Patriot Mobile. I, I can't recommend these guys high, highly enough. You know, they talk about making donations to conservative causes, which they do uh, all the time, as opposed to, you know, these big carriers that donate tons of money to left-wing causes and you may have heard glenn talk about that before as we talk about patriot mobile you get the same great service on the same towers all that stuff plus they're helping out conservative causes but i'll tell you even beyond that my wife who's pretty active in in local uh, politics uh, you know showed up at an event one time about one of these school board issues and she was you know trying to fight for you know the, the right side of what's going on with some of these crazy school board decisions around the country and she got there and Tons of people from Patriot Mobile were there. Not not as part of their company events, just because they, on their own time, wanted to go and work work the phones to make sure that a, a, 
a local school board election went the right way. These people legitimately care about this, and they're fighting. They care about this, and they're fighting for it every day. Uh, you should know that. PatriotMobile.com/slash/Beck is the place to go if you want to be involved with Patriot Mobile. You can call them at nine seven two Patriot. If you use the offer code Beck, you'll get free activation. Special discounts are available for veterans and first responders as well. Come join the movement and make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com/slash/Beck. It's PatriotMobile.com/slash/Beck, or call them at nine seven two Patriot. Pat and Stu on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Carrie Lake Renniford, governor of Arizona. Now, a lot of people believe she just can't possibly be the governor of Arizona. She's just too radical. I mean, she's an election denier. That is the way she's presented, yes. And I love how they've attached denier to things because it it what they're trying to do is tie you in with Holocaust deniers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what they do with the, the election or the climate. You're a climate denier. No, I'm not denying there's a climate at all. I'm, I'm just. You're not? No. Hmm. That would I've be never a weird denied stance. there's a climate. It would. It would be. Now, if I lived on the moon, I could deny a climate uh, exists, but uh, not, not here on this planet. But uh, she handles this climate or this election denier thing pretty well. Yeah. Let, to give you kind of a sense of this race, the, the media is saying that Carrie Lake can't win this race. And the reason they're saying it is not because of the polls, because the polls, actually the most recent poll has her winning. She's ahead by one point. Uh, another recent wow. poll has her down three. So what you're talking about is <clears throat> essentially a toss up race right now in Arizona, which is a, mm. a, a purple state that maybe leans a little red. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's the 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 climate we're talking about here. And the reason they're saying she can't win this race is not it's not because they're saying in theory could she actually come out with more votes? They're saying it can't be allowed. She is too radical. She's a scary candidate. She's an election truther. She's all the bad things you can think of wrapped into one package. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we've talked to her on the show. I didn't get that sense from her talking to her on the program. Watching her speeches, I don't get that sense from her. There are some quotes out there that make her, you know, look like some, you know, evil electric uh, election denier. And, you know, as as I've stated many times, my preference for the 2022 election would not be focusing on the 2020 election. Like, I don't think that that is a worthwhile pursuit, mm-hmm. especially with what Joe Biden has done to this country after taking office after the 2020 election. Focusing on what has actually occurred here, I think, is, you know, when it was considering the policies and, you know, the nonstop series of cataclysms that have developed since Joe Biden walked into that building is a much better thing to focus on. And to to Carrie Lake's credit, she's not talking about the election in any other way of just saying, look, we got to make sure our elections are secure, which in theory, everybody wants, at least we all used to want. But the media does want to make this election about Donald Trump. The media does want to make this election about the 2020 election. This media does want to make the election about election denial and election trutherism and all that stuff. So whether Republican candidates want to talk about that or not, they are being forced to by the media. So if you're going to win an election, you need to come up with a way to talk about this coherently in a sober fashion, in a way that is 
doesn't make it look like you're hiding something, doesn't make it look like you're the weak one in the in the conversation. A strong answer that agrees with your principles, agrees with what your beliefs, but also is able to handle the situation of, of an adverse media. Carrie Lake had a moment like this the other day, and I want you to listen to this, and every Republican candidate out there should listen to this, should see how she does this, should learn from this approach. This is a really good answer to this question. Here it is. This is Carrie Lake from the other day. So you said you feel like Joe Biden is dividing the country, but do you feel like Donald Trump is doing the same by falsely telling people that he won that election when he lost it? So here, stop for a second. It, basically, the question was, it's hard to hear the question. Um, you, you said that Joe Biden is dividing the country, but isn't Donald Trump dividing the country as he's suggesting that he actually won the 2020 election? How does that divide the country? Questioning, questioning an election where there are obviously problems is, is dividing the country? Since when can we not ask questions about our elections? As a journalist for many years, I was a journalist after 2016, and I distinctly remember many people just like you asking a lot of questions about the 2016 election results. And nobody tried to shut you up. Nobody tried to tell Hillary Clinton to shut up. Nobody tried to tell Kamala Harris when she was questioning the uh, legitimacy of these electronic voting machines to stop. We're, we have freedom of speech in this country, and you of all people should appreciate that. You're supposedly a journalist. You should appreciate that. So I don't see how asking questions about an election where there are many problems is dividing a country. What I do see dividing a country is shutting people down, censoring people, canceling people, trying to destroy people's lives when they do ask questions. Last I heard, we still have the Constitution. It's hanging by a thread, thanks to some of the work some people in this area have done. But we're going to save that Constitution, and we're going to bring back freedom of speech. And maybe someday you'll thank us for that. Wow. I mean, it's a little spicy. Wow. But Def- it's a good answer. It's a definitive answer. That's great. And look, I think she does That's have great. real questions about uh, the election. Mm. And she's kind of, you know, she's talked about that. Yeah. Again, I would prefer this not be the, the, the battleground this is fought on. Uh, but if if you happen to be some, a candidate who has, has those comments in your past and is, maybe it's something that you believe, that's a good way of handling that. You know, mm-hmm. the left has asked questions about every major election they have lost in my adult lifetime. This is what they do yep. over and over and over and over again. This is not unique to a Republican candidate in Arizona or any Republican candidate. This has most often been the thing that the left has done over the years. And to be able to talk about that and say, look, asking questions is totally okay. You know, it is something that you should be able to do. Now, you should also accept the answers if you don't like them. And sometimes candidates don't want to do that. But she answers Mm -hmm. this very, very well and also puts it back on journalists who are clearly, clearly guilty of asking questions about previous elections that were quite clearly decided and also are now looking to try to scare voters to stay away from candidates across the 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 right trying to paint them all with a sort of broad brush that they are against democracy that they are for political violence that they are the maga republicans joe biden targeted last night and you need to be able to communicate to to the journalists that ask those questions 
the types of concepts Carrie Lake, do, you know, is able to get across there. I think she does a really good job with that answer. You know, tremendous. I mean, the, you know, the other yeah. you've seen the other options, right, Pat, which are like, OK, well, you know, try to just avoid, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you've seen some candidates come out and, and I will say just as big an issue as the word she uses her tone here. Her tone here is perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. She's calm. If you're on radio, you didn't see her. She's calm. She's poised in this moment. She's not stammering around. She's not looking stammering. for an answer. She's not rattled. She handled, I mean, really she's a strong. professional broadcaster, which helps, obviously. So this is not going to be necessarily yeah. something that hits every candidate so so easily. But she handles it with mm. with she handles it quickly. She handles handles it in a concise way. She puts a little bit of spice in the recipe. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Yep. She, she just <laughs> enough. Just enough. Not too much. Yeah. You know, she not not too much. She makes her point, but she doesn't overdo it. Uh, it's, it's a pretty pretty interesting performance. And again, right. this is what one of the things I come back to when I come to uh, optimism, as compared to the current feeling of this election. You know, a, a candidate like Carrie Lake, when no one knows her as a candidate, they might know her as a broadcaster, but they they don't know her as a candidate really yet. We're just starting this election season in in real form. They're going to hear quotes from the media that she said that look, you know, not so great. They're going to they're going to highlight all the all the things that are controversial or things that maybe moderates wouldn't like. Mm-hmm. But when that person that we just saw or listened to, when that person gets in front of an audience in a ma- in a major debate, I think she, she's going to handle that pretty well. I think the I think the people of the of the state are going to like her. I think they're going to see her as someone who's smart and and poised and not the cartoon character the media has tried to pr- present her as. And I think that's going to help in a big way with I mean. I think that's going to help in the race in um, uh, in Arizona for governor, but also for Senate. I think it's also going to help in Ohio. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of these crazy right wingers, which is their the branding the media has used on them when mm-hmm. they're when the American people actually see them and hear what they're saying. They're not going to sound so crazy. And hopefully that'll be the case in Pennsylvania with uh, with Dr. Dr. Oz, Oz. Now, Oz too against is, John Fetterman, who's a radical leftist. Yep, uh, a guy who almost died um, just a few months ago, and still can't really speak right. Uh, mm-hmm. Still isn't able to communicate or or do the job of a U.S. senator. And this is from their campaign. They are saying now they're saying he can do the job, of course, but of he's having problems processing language. Yeah, now, no, then you can't do the job. That's part of the job, and part of the job, yeah. honestly, when you're running for senate, is a debate. Right. That's part of the job. If you can't do... And they won't debate. No. And so Dr. Oz is talking about that. And so they're accusing him of attacking his health. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I, you know, I, Oz it, who is knows? A, you know, Dr. Oz, I don't, you know, is a, is, a, is a candidate. I don't know. I honestly don't know really enough about his actual political positions. I mean, I just know him as Dr. Oz. Yeah. I know I, what he's saying now in the campaign. What is in his core? I don't know. But I will say, Dr. Oz obviously is a good communicator. The guy's entire career has been built based on that. He's made a lot of money and had a, had a giant audience for a long time. So he sh- again, he might be the same type of thing. He gets in front of uh, on a debate stage with Fetterman. I mean, who, who, oh, I think the people of Pennsylvania would be, be like, "All right, come on, this yeah, guy. it'd be over." Yeah, it'd be over, and that's why, of course, Fetterman is avoiding it. Right. Plus, Fetterman had the other issue that, um, in addition to being an extremist and the health issue, he. Uh, also is a guy who hasn't supported himself his whole life. Uh, until he was 50 years old, his parents uh, supported him with an allowance. 
an that they gave him, including up to $54,000 a year uh, so that he could do other things. Yeah. He was mayor of a, of a small town yeah um, where i think his salary for the year was what eighteen hundred dollars a year something, uh, something like, that? like that yeah, yeah. so mommy and daddy so sort of they filled in the gaps there yeah yeah and uh he was able to kind of run his life <laughs> until he was theirs. 50 years old which yeah. was three years ago i mean we've had this you know conservative uh conversations uh about this before pat where like there was a time where like you were 18 you got out of the, you maybe went to college or you just got out and you started working Mm-hmm. And can you believe these 25-year-olds are still living home with mom being supported by the parents? And everyone's like, I know. Can you believe 25? What? Uh-huh. This guy's fi- double 50. 25. 50, 50 is double 25 Yeah. for those non-mathematicians out there. So his parents are paying for his life. And then for his living space, his sister sells him the apartment that he lives in for $1. For $1. $1. A good, good deal if you can get it. It's a good deal. Yeah. And we should point out that not only is he a, he's Bernie Sanders in a hoodie. I mean, he, that's who, that's who yeah. John Fetterman is. He is a, he is not like, I don't even know who to put in this category. He's not Joe Manchin, let's say. Like you could see a, oh, ca- a candidate. Sure. I mean, Casey in, uh, you know, you go back to the, the abortion conversation. The You had Roe versus Wade and then you had mm-hmm. Casey. Mm-hmm. Casey, a Democrat who is pro-life. At one time, the Casey part of that was the pro-life side of that argument. It was against Planned Parenthood. Jeez. Right. Wow. How things have changed. But I mean, a moderate like that, you could see in Pennsylvania doing well. That is not who John Fetterman is. He is Bernie freaking Sanders. And he's trying to come out. He's a 6'8 Bernie Sanders. I'm just wearing a hoodie so you can trust me. That is not not a good idea. (laughs) 888-727-BEZK. Pat and Stu for Glenn today. Uh, you know, we were just talking about the uh, Oz, the Dr. Oz, John Fetterman race. The other thing about that race is, and I don't I don't know that Oz has taken advantage of this as much as he probably should. You've got the chance to elect the first Muslim ever, Mehmet Oz, yeah. to the U.S. Senate. Shouldn't that be some kind of identity politics that Where, the left loves? Where's the glass ceiling talk? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. I've missed all of it. Huh. No one seems to be excited about these barriers being broken. Every time a, a Republican breaks one of those barriers, it's completely ignored. It really is. Nothing to talk about at all. Nothing to see here. Move along. Glenn well, has wait. A- no, you got a Muslim that's about to... Join the U.S. Senate. Yeah. Glenn has Winsome Sears on his podcast this weekend. Uh, you can get it tomorrow for free uh, on YouTube or if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, it's available now. And she is the lieutenant governor of Virginia, the first, I think, African-American statewide elected um, uh, lieutenant governor, maybe. Wow. Uh, certainly of all time. Um, and she uh, is an inspiring story, an immigrant, African-American woman elected mm. as a republican mm-hmm. no no love no 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 first glass ceiling no yeah. praise nothing mm-hmm. zero because she's a republican period what we should also point out about fetterman is he's i mean he is terrible but he's also he's got some weird hint of racism that he's dealing with i don't know he's got this weird sort of joe biden type of racism where he just just will throw out things like you know black people can't do regular things that normal citizens can do for example the the the, the, I, the voter id thing is the example of this he did this the other day oh. he's like oh 
well, like voter ID is bad because you know uh, black and Hispanic voters they they don't have IDs. They flat don't, out they racism. Don't have, flat out racism. Yeah. Here's the thing, John. Uh, minority voters are like you. They're capable of doing basic tasks of being a citizen just like you. Now, of course, they probably have jobs unlike <laughs> yes. you. They don't get an allowance into their 50s like you. There are some differences. But, you know, I hate to break this to the left. Uh, this is this is stunning, a stunning development that non-white voters, non-white voters mm-hmm. support, support voter ID in higher numbers than white voters do. And why is that? Because they can't get one? No. No. They don't don't want to. No, it's not. Even non-registered voters support voter ID laws at higher percentages than registered voters. (laughs) That is... and it's, it's over 50% with every single crosstab. We're talking about uh, liberals. We're talking about Democrats, obviously independents and mm-hmm. Republicans and conservatives, black, white, Hispanic. Isn't it close to 80% with blacks? Overall, it's 80%. I think with blacks, it's... Uh, I think the, the, the break, breakdown I had this the other day, I just did this story the other day, but the breakdown I believe was white and non-white. And it was, I believe, 79% white and 83% non-white support for voter ID. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, it really isn't. That's the problem. It's amazing in the context of the things that the left says. Yeah, Because they act as if... It can't be done. It can't be done. But it's not amazing at all. Every African-American I know has an ID, and they never had a problem getting it. Like, this is not, this is, we're not saying, hey, can you, uh, you know, can you, um, I don't know, beat Serena Williams in tennis. This is getting an ID. This is easy for most people. Pat and Stu for Glenn on the Glenn Beck program. What is the deal with the drag queen thing? I don't understand yeah, it. I don't get it. I I don't understand. I didn't understand when they started doing the story times in libraries with some of these scary looking drag queens with the horns coming out their head and you know that picture that we've seen a million times. I don't understand the special presentations. I don't. We just there had they had one uh, in Roanoke, Texas, mm-hmm. on Sunday, some big drag queen show. Uh, Roanoke, Texas, is not San Francisco. Um, it's a it's a conservative, small suburb, and it's kind of surprising that they chose that place for you know their drag queen show. But you know people were going nuts there; they were loving it and bringing their children. And some of them forcing their children to watch the drag queens. Um, it is so prevalent that uh, I guess there's a <clears throat> drag queen show tomorrow night in uh, Provo, Utah. <laughs> Home of BYU. They're making it look almost like this is a BYU drag show. <clears throat> but they feature some of the... It's a uh, back-to-school pride drag extravaganza. Performers include current and former BYU students. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Nice. Proud about. You got to be proud of that. You do. And it says on the uh, on the flyer, you don't want to miss this. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I I I do want to miss it, and I'm going to. I will miss it. So, but they're so excited to announce the lineup for our back to school Pride drag show. 
<clears throat> we have some incredible queens and kings who will be performing starting at 6 p.m. Kiwanis Park. Okay, well, I mean, that's great, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. There's, there's multiple aspects <clears throat> of this, Pat, where, like, I am not interested <clears throat> in seeing a drag show. Not my thing. You no, know, I neither. You know, just everybody has things. I a lot of people don't like baseball. Mm-hmm. I do. I like going to watch baseball games. So it's not my thing. There is, of course, always been an element uh, of our society that enjoys like pushing the envelope. I mean, let's say a nightlife, right? Mm-hmm. You might go do something, you know, that's pushing the envelope, and it's uh, oh, it's the thing they say you're not supposed to do. And you, you, it's at a nightclub at night, and you go and you watch a. I don't know, maybe you will go watch a drag show at a, gl- a club. But, you know, some Friday night. All right. You know, I mean, it's not not my thing. Okay. You know, yeah. you do yeah. what you do. You do you. Uh, yeah. You do you, boo. And, and, and they are. Obviously. And they are. And they are doing it. And that, while I don't, it's not my interest. It's not something I want to participate in. But mm-hmm. I do generally understand that part of society, right? Where, like, I don't know. I don't want to do drugs, mm-hmm. you know? and But a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, you don't drink anything. You don't drink alcohol at all. Mm -hmm. Some people do. And these are things that we do in our society that might not be the best decisions or might not be for everybody, but occur in a nightlife situation that maybe you'd understand. What, What I think is the issue here, however, is not a drag show you'd have at a bar uh, at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. Well, this says all ages are welcome, and it's going to be a family-friendly drag show. This is what is odd. So that is strange. Now, but it's the largest drag show Provo has ever seen. Well, that's good. I hate to go to the second largest because that would be be embarrassing. I'd be be pissed. It's like going to a a fireworks show, and there's nothing going on. You know, they've got like four (laughs) bottle rockets. I want the whole thing. Right. The fact that this is being aimed at kids is obviously a different situation and it's, it's yeah. a different situation not yeah. only in like because I, I don't understand why you'd want like why these shows these shows are typically if you've never seen one our own sarah gonzalez was at the one in roanoke and, and took some footage of it and she was on studios america the other day and uh talking about it and you look at the footage and it's you know it's people dressed in like lingerie type items mm-hmm. you know i mean like again yeah if it was all little girls and just women not cross-dressing, just women dressed in lingerie, I would say, why the hell are you doing that for kids? Right? Like, it has nothing. It's Right. It's not that it has nothing right. to do with what it is, but it's, it's very like a, it's, it's not appropriate to sexualize children. Exactly. And so now they're trying to make these things family friendly. So they're dressing a little bit less uh, risque, I guess, but still dressing men, dressing up as women, women dressing mm-hmm. up as men and doing these shows. And then turning down the sexual dances or whatever it is they do uh, a little bit. A little bit. You know, they get from a 10 to an 8. You know, it's yeah. still not something. Yeah. And I will say what's hurry like this particular community in Roanoke has a really nice, you know, main street area with great restaurants and, and, and cool little festivals they do down there all the time and shopping and stuff. It's a great little area of town. Mm-hmm. And think about the the ramifications here. The, the bar that I guess just opened and did this drag show the other day. You know what? Let's be honest about it. It's a divisive issue. Drag queen family hour has become such a thing now that any city in America can make a big deal about one of them and get enough liberals to show up to it because it's just a, it's a way to say, I don't like Republicans. Like that is all 
it is at this point to a lot of people. So they'll show up to act like they're LGBTQQIA2 plus uh, positive, helping, mm-hmm. helping their allies, Pat. And they'll show up as a political statement uh, for a day. But you know, week eight of the drag show, not going to be as well attended in a conservative area like Roanoke, Texas. And you know what else? Mm-hmm. If people who just want to go and have a normal, everyday, family, small town time, go down to a restaurant nearby this place and see a drag show coming out, which they, by the way, did partially outdoors on the street. As you're seeing on Blaze TV, if you're watching now, you can see some of the details of it. It spilled out to the outside. Yeah. You are not going to want to go to that area to do the regular things that are being done uh, like because going to restaurants you won't and attending festivals. Subjected to right. it. You don't want to be part of it. You didn't choose to go to this. Right. So not only does this hurt all of the businesses around this establishment, it also, long term, is probably not going to be a winner for uh, for this uh, the bar that's actually doing it business wise. I mean, yes, you can get people to drive from Dallas if you get enough media attention for one day drag show. Because there are Mm -hmm. people who want to make a political statement. But the people who live in the town were not the people there. There may have been a few. And there were. We actually know that there were teachers from a nearby town that were there. Uh, Oh. Multiple teachers. You might know the town, by the way. Um, And (laughs) I might know it pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. And so you Mm -hmm. look at this and you say, well... Mm. You know, sure, week one probably feels good, right? If you're mm-hmm. you're some liberal, you're saying you're putting it to the man, you're having this drag show. What does week eight look like? What does week 12 look like? What does it look like for the business across the street that no one wants to go to anymore because they're afraid they're going to bring their kids down there and be involved in a drag show against their will? Yeah. You know, all this is like, you know, yeah. this is secondary to the fact that we shouldn't be sexualizing children, but it affects a lot of people. Mm, does. And it affects these areas. You, know, you throw this on in the middle of a, of, of a Dallas nightlife district, you're not going to have that sort of negative effect to the surrounding businesses. You throw it, you think it, you think you're a badass for starting this in your own little town and you're going to get the adoring um, attention of your local media and mm-hmm. you'll get a bunch of people tweeting support for you. Where will they be when you need to sell a beer in eight weeks? Yeah, right. Nowhere. Right. They'll be nowhere. And you think you're making really good strides because you're getting these events in Roanoke, Texas and Provo, Utah and really conservative areas and everybody's accepting of it now. Well, I mean, even there, there are some drag queens who are speaking out against this hmm. because they're saying, what do you, are you are you insane? Of course, it's sexualizing. Of course, it's sexualizing children. When you include children in a drag queen event, yes, you're sexualizing children. And that's, you know, people have been doing drag queen events for years who have, you know, but they don't like what's going on now with trying to bring the children into it. Let me, I'll give you a good example of this. If I were to tell you about an event in which a woman was standing on stage fully dressed Mm -hmm. and she walked around and collected money, dollar bills from everybody in the audience, what do you think was going to happen next? What would happen next? And she might take off her clothes. She would take off her clothes. Yeah. Because that is strip club (laughs) culture. Yes. That's what it is. That's where it's from. Yes. It's strip club culture. It happens in no other area, right? Right. I mean, if you're playing music on stage, there might be a guitar case Mm -hmm. uh, where people might put some dollars in, right? Right. You could see that. So would you bring your children to that? Because that is of what it is. It's not. a simulation of a no strip club. No one would. It's, 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 internal. it's teaching kids mm-hmm. that this is normal behavior. 
Yep. And it is strip club culture. That is what it is. And so all of that goes on, whether mm-hmm. they take their clothes off or not. It's just that part of it, right? Mm-hmm. It happened at this family-friendly drag show where they walked around and giggled and collected uh, dollar bills from all the children. Oh, and they giggled? They giggled. Oh, well, if they, they giggled, then it must have been just a for fun event. That's true. It's just and for let's fun. not just get so super serious about it. I mean, look, I'm not... I'm not, I honestly am not the guy who's going to sit here and, and get all fired up about every little thing that happens in culture. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. but, but this is something where it's, it's rising above that. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's affecting kids. It's affecting kids. And it's tough. It's a, it's a bit difficult because we've seen when you give government, for example, power over how parents parent their children, we've seen a lot of negative consequences come out of that. And mm-hmm. most of them have hit the right. You know, what you, oh, you're too religious. Oh, you have to do this this medical treatment we don't want you to do. Um, you know, how many times have we seen this stuff? Most of this stuff affects the right. So implementing government controls over a parent bringing their kids to something like this is something that should give conservatives pause to make sure that it's done correctly and not so broadly that it winds up affecting parents that aren't doing things. We've seen kids yeah. go play in a park by themselves and they're parents get arrested oh you know yeah. how many times have we seen this and yeah. that is the same power that conservatives are talking about using on the other hand though mm-hmm. we have all sorts of laws that ban children from places mm-hmm. like strip clubs we don't allow them inside at all they're all disallowed from coming in because we understand what's going on in there and so there is there is a this is the line that I think is in the, the, the mainstream conservative debate. Where do you draw that? Because you don't want to give the government too much power to monitor parents in the way they parent, because that's bad. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you can't over-sexualize children. That is not something that should be allowed in a polite society. So that is that, that's the, 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 the tug of war going on right now on the right. And on the left, they're just like, yeah, let everybody do everything. <laughs> you know, let everybody do everything, yeah. except, you know, of course, uh, lower their taxes. No, and, and yeah, you know, support the police. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. More patents too for Glenn coming up. The Glenn Back Program. It's Patent Stew for Glenn. Joined by Jeffy. Before we get to you, Jeffy, and whatever it is you came here to say, we were just uh, (laughs) speaking about Provo, Utah. And let me just say one more thing about the BYU uh, volleyball team and the the experience that they had last week with Duke. Racist. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No. No no racist slurs were yelled. Nobody found any evidence of any of that happening. And yet... BYU the next day had eliminated their student section, The Rock, which is Roar of Cougars, The Rock section. Yeah. That's that, where all the students go and and party. There was no proof of anything. And no proof. No. I mean, they say it's an ongoing situation and they're going to look into it and it might change, but immediately eliminated the that's student embarrassing. section. It, it is embarrassing. And, and banned a uh, mentally challenged individual. Even right. He didn't do yeah. anything. Didn't Which, do it well. They've got came, to He came onto him. the court, right? Yeah. yeah. He came onto the court, didn't yeah. yell any racial slurs. Right. 
What do you have? They just heard his voice. I just, uh, you know what? Let's just say that I'm a little disappointed, and I'm sure yeah. you will be too. Okay. Uh, it looks like the bullet train mm-hmm. between Dallas, Texas, and Houston, Texas. Don't tell me it's not going to be built. Don't tell me that. I've been disappointed too many times with bullet trains. I can't handle another one. <laughs> okay. Is it I not going to be? I, I won't tell you it's that it's not going to happen. Well, it's still on, but oh, it probably is? not. It's, you know, they, they don't have all the land yet, and... The oh, bosses Stu. all laugh. Stu is the biggest proponent of the bosses oh, all laugh. Rail travel in the I world. Know. They already said the <laughs> Texas uh, legislature and the courts already said uh-huh. that. Yeah, you can use eminent, eminent domain. It's fine. Get all the property you need for the trains. Don't worry about it. It's incredible. That the, is incredible. The CEO bad. and a bunch of people all left. So they're still out fundraising, but they're probably not. And what did the, what it's are they saying it's going to cost? Well, they raised. Uh, Think a couple hundred million already, maybe even more than that. That's not I mean, going to do it for it. Yeah, that won't do it. No, between Dallas and Houston, we can't build. We can't. We couldn't no. build a, a, a. We can't build a wall for ten miles on the border for that price. Right. It's got to uh, be in the billions. Yeah, it's got to be billions. Way but it was billions. you were going to be able to get to Dallas and or Houston in 90 minutes. That's Stu. incredible. And let me tell you, that's only three times the amount it normally takes. <laughs> um, because I took a flight to uh, Houston. There's two major airports in Dallas and two in Houston. Right. And I took a flight from here. From to, one airport in to the Dallas other, to I, another airport I believe it was 36 Houston. minutes in the air. 36 minutes. Yeah, so. but you must have paid five thousand dollars. Right, for that. I bet you anything right. it would be less than what the bullet oh, train would cost. The, absolutely, the train travels two hundred and five miles an hour, Stu. <laughs> That's slower than we can do it. That's slower and than we can do the trip now. And here's okay. the breaking news: it uh-huh. won't travel 205 <laughs> miles an hour. It no. never does. No, I that's mean, right. That's what they said. The same thing about the Acela train in the Northeast. Like, oh, it's 200 miles an hour. Yeah, well, it, it would maybe in like perfect laboratory circumstances. <laughs> Not when you have. Maybe you're know, going straight line from J- from Tokyo, Japan to Osaka. I don't know that that is a straight line, actually. I'm not that well-versed on Japanese geography, but <laughs> but that's normally where you do the bullet trains, right? That's yeah. where the movie yeah. bullet train takes place. The original place. Texas bullet so. train was based on the Japanese bullet train that yeah. didn't happen. The Glenn Beck Program.